Well, here we all are back with Behind the Buzz, a public fit theater company's occasional podcast discussing the production processes and backstage recipes that go into the creation of our season of plays and staged readings. This is season number three, episode number six. Uh, I'm Joe Kukin, APF's producing director, and I'm joined, as always, by artistic director Anne-Marie Pareth. Hi there. And today we'll be talking about August Wilson's The Piano Lesson, the third and final main stage production of our 2022-23 season. Uh, We'll soon be joined by two of the performers from that play, Jamie Maurice Clay and Rainey. But first, A.M., (laughs) this is Uh, a monster, (laughs) right? When did did you first realize the epic uh, nature of this, this Pulitzer Prize winning play? I didn't know what I didn't know until I knew it. (laughs) Okay, that's not really an answer. Yes, (laughs) well, I didn't know it was a monster until uh, about three weeks into rehearsal. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is is pretty late in the process because uh, I was brought on. Well, I wasn't brought on. I uh, decided to co-direct this project with Jason Nias. We should mention, yes, it's directed by yourself and Jason Nias, founder of Melody and... uh, the actor about town. We've seen him in Cirque du Soleil. He's been on the podcast before. Yes. Uh, and obviously he has a, a cultural closeness to the piece, which I do not. And yeah. so he was going to take the lead in, in that matter. But, you know, having founded uh, a public fit, I have directed many uh, productions. I've gone through the technical process of directing uh, many projects, and I've worked with a lot of designers. And, and I knew on this project that... Um, I would like to support Jason in yeah. that in that particular way. So um, that was going to be my role in the project. But very early on in the process, um, we had to replace some actors. And so we had to hire an out-of-town actor who is actually here. And I'm so glad he's on the podcast. So we didn't have him in Spoiler the... Spoiler <laughs> alert. We'll talk about Rainey in a, in a little while. That's, uh, 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 and having him not be in, in the room... And having uh, the stage management team, who did a, a wonderful job. Uh, yeah, no re- judgment there. Yes, reading his role. I realized very quickly uh, what actors bring to the table and um, how we were missing that piece in rehearsal. Uh, and many, much of the information that uh, the character of Doker and the character of Whining Boy uh, bring to the table, they, they relay the history uh, of the family history of these characters. They talk a lot about the exposition uh, of the play. And because they were not there, I realized how difficult the story was going to be to convey to the audience, to make well, it clear. There's also a rhythm thing that August Wilson yes. does. It's hard to capture if you're not you know, invested as a performer. If you're a stage manager just reading the lines, you may not. And again, you're right. No judgment about the quality of, of that support, but you may not be invested in the rhythm of that language and the way the play flows from those those words. Right. And actually, you know, I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Rainey and I had uh, many conversations uh, about the rhythm of the piece. And I didn't really, uh, of course, rhythm is always important when you're directing any sort of play. It's always key, you know, um, but uh, there is a music to the play yeah. that I didn't understand until uh, we had Rainy in the room. Yeah, yeah, that, that's fair. Well, let's, let's bring him in. Let's talk. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do bring it. the gentleman <laughs> in first. Let me introduce, I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to introduce Jamie. Jamie uh, Maurice Clay was first seen 
at a public fit in uh, our stage reading of Skeleton Crew. And um, he was also part of the process that helped bring an oak tree to production. You may have seen him in Passover uh, and the Royale with uh, the Lab, LV, and in Broadway in the Hood's production of A Soldier's Play out at the Smith Center. He trained at the Susan Batson Studios in New York City and has studied with acting instructors Carl Ford, Richard Handy, and Nina Binder. The piano lesson marks Jamie's first main stage show with... A public fit. Hey, thanks for showing up. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me. <laughs> thanks. thanks for being had. And then there's Rainey. We're also joined by Rainey, an award-winning actor, director, poet, writer, comedian, singer, musician, and international teaching artist with Patel Conservatory. Rainey, I was gonna, um, I was gonna list all your credits, but we've only got like. An hour. Are you okay with that? And he's also a painter. I just noticed on his Instagram page, he's a painter. I'll yeah. add it to the thing, but I, I can't go through the whole the whole list of credits. Yeah. You, you go with that? Unfortunately, he's not a sous chef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's me. Vegas audiences uh, may have seen Rainey out at NCT in Seven Guitars or in uh, Water by the Spoonful. Um, a true international performer. He is headlined at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, the Comedy Cellar uh, in Dublin, and at London's The Comedy Store. He was the premier comedian for Laugh Tuesdays, Apollo Theater's professional Comedy Club in Harlem, sharing stages with Paul Mooney, Bill Bellamy, and this Martin all Lawrence. Relates, this all relates to he's old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, when did you found, man when did right you found, uh, when did you found the Prometheus this all project? Relates, this all relates uh, to he's old. Early uh, 95, 96. See, that's not so old. I remember 96. That's uh, that's a, a performance technique program for, for incarcerated folk, yeah? Yes, yes, both uh, detention center kids. There's there's a junior version for detention centers, yeah. and then there's the adult version that, that when I go into prisons. God, you are, you, you are busy. And I should say, though, that APF's version of the piano lesson brings you nearly full cycle, right? With, with this production... Uh, you will have portrayed four of the five male characters in the play in various in various venues. Is that right? Five of the six. I was also Sutter's ghost in the same. <laughs> I was. I was. I was. I was. My silhouette was Sutter's ghost. That's in, in awesome. In the same production when I was Avery. Oh, I, yeah. I love it. Well, let, 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 let's just let's start off. Let's just start off light. Uh, then, as an August Wilson uh, veteran and, and scholar. What's the piano lesson about? Uh, the piano lesson is a uh, struggle uh, uh, about what uh, what do you do with the legacy, and yeah. it's, and uh, it's it's seeped in the African American culture, uh, and August is defining questions. I always say here to engage the audience, but it, it's about a family heirloom uh, that has a lot of pain and history attached to it, and you have two siblings arguing over it. One wants to take that heirloom, the piano, and sell it to get the land where their ancestors were impressed. And that's the character that Jamie Boy Willie. plays, yeah. Boy Willie. Yeah, and then the other, his sister wants to uh, preserve the family heirloom. And that's just the first domino that knocks off a series of plot points that he reveals through the wonderful characters of this play. And it's kind of a mystery play, too. There are a lot oh, yeah. of mysteries that are set up in the show, most of which I think kind of get answered, some that don't, but there are, there are ghosts yeah. involved. Yeah, yeah, and that's... Who did what to yeah. whom? And... August uh, uh, did this brilliant thing, and I think just about all of the cycle, uh, uh, presenting these really dense hybrids 
You know, the, his plays are a combination of tragedies, dramas, comedies, uh, dark comedy, mysteries. Yeah. Uh, you know, whodunits in, you know, several of his plays. There's whodunits. You know. Yeah. I mean, he Pulp Fiction before Pulp Fiction. Right. When he made Ma Rainey. Ma Rainey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Right. So. Jamie, you, what what was your first uh, reaction to the play when you originally read it? Uh, it was hard to grasp the words. Uh, really? Read, yeah. Um, when I, I first read it back in uh, 2013, yeah. and as I was reading it, I always get got caught up on the words, just the just how he he wrote the words, and then like you spoke before, the rhythm of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. there is a certain rhythm, and if you're not used to his rhythm, then you're going to trip <laughs> over those words. You know, you're going to just get all caught up. Um, but initially, when I first uh, read it, um, I thought it was a beautiful play. Yeah. Um, just a, a poetic uh, story, and um, the character that I was attached to was Lyman. Really? First. Why is yeah. that? Yeah, I felt like he was me around that time. Uh, I was just a reserve, <laughs> just a reserved guy, chill, don't want much, you know. Uh, I was like for the ladies, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, Lyman's just, you know, he's, he's Lyman chill. spends he a lot of time talk talking about women, you know. <laughs> yeah, and boy Willie is just this. Oh uh, man, just a rambling, just a talkative person that just keeps keeps going. Talks about this piano getting land, and I wasn't really drawn to that when I first read it. Yeah, uh, it was all about Lyman and him getting the girl and him and Bernice getting together. <laughs> that was my favorite scene. Spoiler alert. Uh, but flash uh, uh, forward uh, ten years later, here I am yeah. uh, getting the role of Walt Willie. So I read it again. And I'm just in complete awe of just the, uh, and I'm older and, you know, uh, around time I was like tw- uh, 24 probably. And I'm just reading Boy Willie and I'm just like, man, this is a beautiful dude. Like he is courageous. He's, he's passionate. He knows exactly what's he, what he wants and he's fearless. And that's what I, I was just like, yes, this is the character that I've been waiting to play. Like somebody, <laughs> somebody's just, just, you know, and it's so uh, complicated. He's so complex as a character. He has so many mixed emotions going on. And uh, I feel like it would have, uh, I feel like it was a challenge and it has been a challenge. Can, can I ask you something? Because I know that early on in the rehearsal process, you were concerned about creating a stereotype with Boy Willie. You were afraid yes. of, of being a cartoon. You 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 didn't want to present him in a in a, in a way that did not acknowledge and um, uh, honor and appreciate his humanity. Yeah. Uh, yes, because, you know, he, like I said, he's very talkative and he's he's passionate, but it's, to some people, he can come off as an angry black man. And uh, I didn't want to just sit up there and just yell my lines right. and be Johnny <laughs> One Note throughout the whole play. Um, well, you, you've accomplished that. I mean, I, I watch, I watch, <laughs> no, seriously, I watch you in this show and I am... Just flabbergasted. I mean, not just it's not just the line load, and I th- and the line load is tremendous. Mm-hmm. It's not just the line load, but when I see you go through the the show by the end, I I look at a man who's run a marathon almost. You just look yeah. look exhausted. Is it an exhausting? Oh, very exhausting. I'm talking about after the show. I have a <laughs> <start laughs> headache, sweat, my voice is damn near gone. And we're, we're, <laughs> like, we're not paying these people enough. Like this character <laughs> is. Uh, but I, I love it. I, I love, I love it. I love the character work. Uh, that this is what I go for. Characters like this that just use all of me. You know, like a character that just you need to put all of yourself into that character and just, just you know, go all out. And um, 
that's what that's what I love about Boy Willie. Like he not only he uh, is you know the main character in it, but he's just just everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> he's just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when we had that conversation about uh, that you had to be larger than life, and you yeah. you expressed your concern about finding the humanity. But what I've seen now, um, now that the show is open, is I see a man who's passionate, who's filled with desire, uh, who has vision, who has vision beyond the world of of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. okay. right? And, and, and that's um, and, and that's my and I don't who I don't know August Wilson but he he had vision right and so he was able to uh, what seems right uh plays that created characters who had vision and that's what I see on stage I I don't I don't see an, an the angry black man I see I see uh, a massive epic character being manifested through you yeah I mean it's it's remarkable work a lot of that is in the writing though Rainey can I ask you about um uh, about the writing, Emery and I, one of the first things that we like to do is look for the character that uh, most fervently expresses the playwright's viewpoint that may actually represent the playwright in, in some ways. In a lot of plays, it's very easy to find. Class <laughs> Menagerie, he's right there, yeah, right? Yeah, you know yeah. exactly who, who, who Tennessee Williams um, is identifying with. In, in August Wilson plays, it is much harder to sort of identify the Wilson perspective because... It's they the all same. seem to have it. It's the same in every play. Tell me about that. It's the ancestors. So it's characters that aren't probably even on stage. Right. It, it, it's the ancestors. The closest you, you'll get to a character uh, that represents August that's physically on stage may be on Esther. But uh, uh, the, it, it's the ancestors, the historical perspective, which is why I think he, uh, in his in this uh, uh, draconian task of putting together the cycle... Uh, that he so brilliantly put together, I think in that effort to uh, to not simplify. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've said to you several times that, you know, he, he in the way he does it, he shows that the black community is not a monolith. Right. Well, you know, to I cover that. that, to cover that thoroughly, you know, to sit back and you watch it every night. You watch the audiences probably oscillate between going, well, boy, Willie's right. No, Bernice is right. <laughs> no, Bernice is right. No, boy, Willie's right. Yeah. Uh, that's not an easy feat as far as playwrights, you know. Play, well, even some of the greatest have a tendency. You go, yeah, they were obviously leaning with this character. But no, he thoroughly shows boy, Willie's point of view and then turns right around in the next second and thoroughly shows uh, Bernice's point of view. You know, the the end of Act One is a master class in showing two different points of view. Boy, Willie spent, and by the way, not only does he have vision, uh, and I'm, I'm going to go a little side for a second. I keep finding out the common ground me and Jamie have. It's just striking to me. Uh, and I, one thing I only bring up because he brought it up during the buzz, but we both lost our fathers before we played Boy Willie. Um uh, we, I just found out, as you just heard, we both saw ourselves as a lineman before we were pulled into the play and then was challenged by uh, the character of Boy Willie. Oh, that's remarkable. Um, and then there's many other things that he said during the process that I've just kind of sat back and went, this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Jamie, as a young man, does this terrify you that this is what you're going to age uh, yeah, into? Yeah, right. I'm looking into the scene right there. Jamie, you told a remarkable story at the last buzz for this play 
about your father yeah. and about a keyboard. Would you mind telling that story again here? Because I, I think more people should hear it. It was I, I, it was the first time I'd heard it. And yeah. I found it really touching. Yeah, uh, yeah. My uh, my father passed uh, last year in May, um, and then <clears throat> I get the I get the Roller Boy Willie in September uh, September October. I read it and I see that Boy Willie plays the piano. Yeah, and. Um, it, it didn't cross my mind yet, but my dad had a keyboard. Uh, I didn't even play it all the way up until I started reading the piano lesson. It just sat there. And, um, yeah, I started, I had to learn a boogie woogie, so here I am. <laughs> up on YouTube, see what boogie woogie is, turn the keyboard on. And, you know, I'm starting, and then as I'm learning the boogie woogie, I'm like, wow, like... <laughs> Boy Willie, uh, dad, you know, died and left him piano, and yeah. here I am playing a keyboard that my dad had left me, you know, when he died, and it's just, and it it clicked. I was like, oh my gosh, like art imitates life, life imitates art. Mm -hmm. um, Did that affect the way it, you approach the character going into the into the play? Oh because yeah, because your your character is not dismissive of the piano, but wants it for a very specific purpose, a financial. He sees it as a, as a financial tool to yeah. to achieve the dream of owning a, a, an amount of land, and right. he's going to sell that piano. Bernice ain't going to sell that piano, but he wants to sell that piano and acquire land for it. It sounds like your connection to your father's keyboard is more along the lines of Bernice, Bernice's way of thinking. It is um, because, like, here's this keyboard that he left me, so I can build this character. To, That's remarkable. To, to 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 make it what it is today, and then. Still, you know, it's it's Boy Willie is still evolving. I'm still evolving, uh, Boy Willie. Uh, sure, but yeah, just like it, it helps me um, just tap into Boy Willie more, and uh, that's where the the richness is is in that keyboard that like like my dad is is, is giving me without you know him knowing or anything, obviously, but um, serendipity. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like. It, it was just so crazy how that happened. Who knows happens. how the universe works. Right, that part. Yeah. And I'm just so, you know, my dad didn't leave me anything like, as far as like financial or anything like that. And he left me, like I was left with his things. And I feel like it's perfect. Like it's this, this keyboard is so priceless to me because it's just, it's growing me so much as an artist. And this is something that my dad left me. And I'm not going to lie. Here I am thinking like, man, like, I'm maybe getting a little too personal with this, but you know, here I am, like thinking my dad didn't leave me anything, but in reality, he did. You know, he left me anything, everything that I needed to do what I love to do, and that's yeah. to act and then to tap into these characters. And boy, Willie is uh, so, um, so important to me. Uh, he's so important to me because he is. I feel like he is attached to my dad. I feel like. Uh, Without my dad giving me that keyboard, I, I don't know. Like, who's say like I would have had Boy Willie the way I would? I don't know. But <laughs> all I know is that I came into this character knowing that I'm going to be the best Boy Willie uh, that I can possibly be, and um, just tell this story and uh, give it all up to my dad. Like this, 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 this. These performances have been to my father. Yeah, but it's, and it's not just the. I mean, there's the. There's a utilitarian value of literally having a keyboard to learn to play, just the basic process of playing the piano, but also the connection to the idea of ancestry 
that yes. was given to you. So more yeah. than the keyboard, this idea of a connection to a past through an object. Yeah, I, I, it's a, it's a just I love that story. Yeah, and he and he put he he has his energy on it. He he told me like I remember the I remember I went over there to go see him, and he was like I got his, I got this new keyboard. He took me to the garage. He sat down. And he started playing on the keyboard, and he was like, "Yeah, I come out here, you know, when I want to get away uh, from family." You know, he had was my he a musician? No, family whole on his side. Family, yeah. my uncles and everything, musicians like okay. church, everybody. Uh, yeah. My cousins, they could play the drums, the piano, the guitar, just everything. When well, my dad wasn't, he wasn't one of the ones. You know, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> this is crazy. Like they all can play instruments very well and my dad just wasn't the one but you know I he started playing that and um he showed me and I just thought it was beautiful just seeing that he has a uh, an escape that he can just go to go to the garage and hop on the keyboard and start playing it and uh yeah and I can feel his presence when I when I turn the keyboard on that's 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 a, a great story Randy you just you told us that you and Jamie share the loss of a of a father, a rod around on time of playing this this role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that story? Is that similar? Is that story similar to what you ha- what happened? Now you don't play obviously you don't play Boy Willie in this production. You play no, yeah, yeah. Doker Charles. Um, uh, I'm not I'm not asking you to guys have competing no, 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 stories. No, 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 no. <laughs> I got you. I got you. No, not 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 in the detail of that story, but uh, you know, just the connection. Uh, um, you know, I carried my father through that process and didn't actually grieve until a day after uh piano lesson was over. Really? Yeah. I, I carry oh. I carry uh so he passed in August uh no November of two thousand and two. The piano lesson was in January and February of two thousand and three. Holy cow. And that's a long time to carry that around. Uh but I it, it was being it's I guess you would say like the piano. It was being released uh in certain ways, but the specific of grieving and mourning, I just kinda I purposefully held that off until the day after that show closed. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I something I was going to say earlier yeah. that uh, that uh, I hope doesn't get lost on the audience, and I, if it does, it's not it's not on Jamie and his brilliant performance. But uh, what I one of the things I love about this, this main character, and I love all of August's, but Boy Willie is he comes through the door as this. You know, ranting, uh, machismo, uh, seeming almost crazy, testosterone-driven madman in a, in a mad time. It's five in the morning. The yeah, first thing he asks yeah, for is yeah, a drink. Where's your yeah. bottle? <laughs> as the play goes on, if he was just some, you know, caveman, uh, basic uh, character who was just bullying people, if that's all he was doing. Uh, his mantra would just stay precisely the same. But as the play progresses, he his argument is economical at one point. Yeah. It's psychological at one point. Yeah. It's spiritual at one point. Yeah. He's just he's he's going down the line almost like a an Egyptian or Greek philosopher taking the time to explain to his family why it is essential that they go his way. Now, whether you agree to him or not, his ability to maneuver in that manner is spectacular. Well, and August, August, August gives him, it's almost like watching a great athlete in their prime, watching him pivot based on what the different strong members of his family 
puts as an obstacle in his way. And who he's talking to. Yes. Yeah. Each time. It's not, it's never, it's not just, oh, I'm going to sell this piano or else. No, it's like, no, here's the reason. This is the economy of it. Okay. You don't get it that way. Here's the psychology of it. Okay. Well, let me explain it to you in <laughs> spiritual terms. He takes his time each time to pivot, to explain in a different way to his family. He covers all the bases. And that me just tells that tells me so much about the core of a boy Willie, that that you know the last time we see him as an audience member, uh, there's kind of a bit of an ambiguity. Well, what's what's going to happen? Blah 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 yeah. blah. But I think we leave, and I definitely feel this in Jamie's performances. Uh, I think we leave going, whatever it is, boy Willie's got this. He's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah I, I, there's there's, <laughs> yeah, never, yeah. Any, I, there's never any doubt in my mind at the end of the play, uh, spoiler alert, that, <laughs> that, that boy Willie will find a way to accomplish what he yeah, wants yes, to accomplish. Yes. And, 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 and contemporary terms, he would, you know, he'd be one of these, uh, I don't know, he may have his own hip-hop label. He, 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 would, he would be one of these guys who are at, ahead of the game. Yeah. You know, he's setting the tone. He's not sitting back waiting for it to happen or following trends. Well, you talk about all of the, this wonderful list of things, but he's also willing to fight the unknown, the unseen. Yes, yes. Right, right. Right, the unseen, right. something that can't be touched. Yeah. But he feels the presence of that thing mm -hmm. and, and, and then chooses to believe it. So if you're willing to go that far, then you're, you're willing to do anything. Right. Uh, and, and so that's why I'm not worried uh, about him a, as a character as well. And he's well-versed in others' point of view and their history as well as his own. I love the fact that he dismisses Bernice as seeing Sutter, you know? And then later in the play, he's explaining the legacy of the ghost of the yellow dog to his niece in detail. It's not just like, oh, and the boogie-woogie man came out and boo. <laughs> no, it's like, no, this is precisely the stories that I was told by my ancestors, and this is how it works. Mm -hmm. And she has questions, which I love that August gives her. And then he responds. Not He doesn't say, you know, in the old tradition of certain households, you know, oh, just shut up and, you know, be quiet and turn around and focus on the piano or go sit down somewhere. No, he answers all of her questions. That's a question I have for you, Jamie, is how do you reconcile um, Boy Willie's professing of uh, uh or just sort of dismissing bernice's um visions of seeing sutter but still going on and on about the ghosts of the yellow dog being responsible for the deaths of these men back down south um because it seems like they seems like it has to be one or the other it can't be both mm. i don't believe anything bernice says about uh, sutter because of i just came into the house i just told him about sutter uh I just told him Sutter uh, went down as well about three weeks ago. Bernice already has this preconceived notion of me already as a as my sibling. She knows how who I am or what I am, and she wants me out the house right away. Right. And then all of a sudden, boom! Here Sutter's ghost. I, I should and say that just, that part of the plot is that. Uh, Boy Willie comes up from the south. The uh, a man who he's been working for has fallen down his well and has died. The dead man's brother offers to sell Boy Willie the remaining land. Boy Willie comes north to to put the money together to buy that land. So when we talk about Sutter, we're actually talking about Sutter's ghost. Seeing yeah. Sutter is seeing Sutter's ghost. Yeah. Spoil spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, 
Yeah, so when she's talking about she's seen Sutter Ghost, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not believing anything she's saying. This is another uh, way of uh, Bernice trying to get me out the house. Right. And she's using it. She's running with it. Because, uh, spoiler alert, you know, uh, <laughs> she says, you know, I just seen him at the steps. Calling boy Willie's name. And it's like, oh, here we go. Here she go. All right, she want to get me yes. out the house. Well, I ain't going for it, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. no, I'm. she didn't see no ghost. So uh, there's that. And then, yeah, uh, the piggyback off Rainy said, um, the ghost of the yellow dog just been in our... Uh, in our family for for years, or everybody around uh, Mississippi, uh, it's just that's just been the story of the Ghost of the Yellow Dog, and so I believe that because that was told to me uh, by uh, Doker or Whining Boy, and that's just like stayed with me. So j- just to see, just to hear a Sutter's Ghost is so out of out like so left <laughs> yeah. to me, you know. And I, I, so here's a question, and, and Diane, pay attention to this because this might need to be cut right away because this might just be inane. Is there a difference um, in this play between ghosts and spirits? Because I feel like we have the ghosts of the yellow dog, the ghosts of Sutter, but we have the spirits of the ancestors that inhabit the piano, and that language seems very specific. Mm-hmm. We have the Holy Ghost to me, and we have the Holy Ghost as well. There are three ghosts. Yes, three yeah. ghosts in the play that that Avery talks about. Yes, um, what's the difference? Rainy, is that a is that a stumper or no? Uh, yeah, question? yeah, no. I think the uh, I think the in August's world, I, I think uh, ghosts are baggage, um, uh, spirits are guides. You know, um, I, I I can't recall in any of his plays. Uh, you know, and I'm not again. Uh, this is August. I, I, I can't speak for Ibsen, uh, huh? uh, but uh, I think. August generally use ghost in terms of baggage and even even in Gem of the Ocean and spirits as these guides, these oh, that's, these entities. That's a great distinction. Yeah. That's actually a brilliant distinction. Well, that's such a dumb question after all, Emery. You gave me that look. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, what just happened? Right, right. <laughs> Does that sound right to you? Oh, yeah, 100%. Agree. Yeah, I, I believe that. Like, yeah, the ghost is just... <laughs> Something that is, yeah, that's baggage, and that's, uh, I, I would say, just uh, a person that had or an entity that has unfinished business or attachment to something, whereas opposed to spirit is something that is, yeah, that is in our blood and our heart, and that guides us, our intuition. Well, I also think too, just in terms of how the play is structured, at the end of the play. Another spoiler alert. Um, Boy Willie does actual combat with the ghost. He attacks this this baggage-laden uh, ghost that he has been uh, either pretending or just purporting to not believe in at all. And there's a remarkable <laughs> uh, drawn-out fight scene between you and the ghost, apparently played by Rainey. I had no idea. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, and I wonder about the symbolism of, of that, of taking uh, uh, Boy Willie to the point where he is actually doing battle with what you, know, you guys have described as a baggage-laden spirit. Yeah, I, I believe uh, Sutter Ghost is, um, I think he is, I be, this is my take on it, Sutter is attached to that piano because of, his wife, Ophelia, and, you know, that was his love of, uh, of his life. Complicated and, history. Yeah, yeah and, mm. you know, she played on it every single day. And, you know, so there's 
there's that that's to it and and that's what and i don't know the backstory but you know ophelia passed and that's the only thing sutter had left mm. that was attached to ophelia was this piano and so now this piano is gone it's in the wind it's in, up there in pittsburgh and i don't know what happens in the other realm <laughs> but you know sutter finds it yeah. um because doker said he sees Spoiler alert. But, uh, you know, <laughs> We're going to just call this spoiler alert. That's the name of this episode. You know, Doker talks about, you know, I saw him three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I saw him three weeks ago in the house, and it was around the same exact time Sutter fell in as well. So Sutter had uh, a mission to find his piano. Even probably before he died, he's still probably wondering where this piano was at. Oh, that's interesting. And so that just probably stick with him until, you know, after life. And then here he is. uh Coming into uh, the the Charles family house right. with this piano, uh, and he's been there since he fell down that well, just hanging out. Yeah, yeah. And there was a lovely conversation that Rainy and I had uh, when you arrived about that the fight really isn't between you and Bernice. It's the ghost is making everybody in the house behave in a way that is not typical. Yes, uh, and, and uh, I, I think that's interesting because it makes the fight larger than life yeah. right it, it makes the stakes much higher right um uh, which adds an intensity to the play which i find fascinating yeah what's coming up at a public fit well august wilson's the piano lesson marks the final main stage uh production of the season but we still have one more staged reading before we hibernate for the summer and by hibernate i mean read a ton of plays put together a season and continue the unending fundraising process that allows a public fit to continue to produce at the highest level. But before that, Audrey Cephalie's Alabaster will close out our 2023 season with performances on June 30th and July 1st, back at the Flamingo Library. And if recent emails are any indication, I think we're going to get to manage uh, to come up with a conversation with the playwright herself for that one. So keep hitting your refresh button for the most recent Behind the Buzz. This sounds like an awfully didactic play. Yes. This sounds like a, a play that has a lot of, um, um, a, a lot to teach, a lot to share, a lot to show. How does it stay? Um, how does how does Wilson manage to make it stay entertaining, and and be a, a, a lesson play without being too? It's, it's called the piano lesson. How does mm-hmm. it manage to be a lesson play without being too didactic, without being too? Um, I don't know, knock you over the head uh, <laughs> with all of the intricacies and, and raised angry fists. Um, well, I, I believe the blessing is in the curse. And, and uh, August is writing, it's it's verse, it's blues verse, but uh, and we've talked a lot about the rhythm. Yeah. There's a meter there. If yeah. you listen to it, it's there. <laughs> it's there. So uh, it's very uh, concentrated and condensed. And I think that's one way, the the, the vehicle of, uh, uh, to, uh, I mean, I'm hesitant to compare them to other playwrights because uh, uh, I don't want to seem like I'm validating August. I don't need to do that. But in the sense of use of language, uh, it, it's it's that thing that Shakespeare and Moliere and all the greats have done through poetry of well, but, moving the plot along but within can, the exercise of the of, of of the the meter. But I think you've done that exactly right by not comparing them just by saying Shakespeare, Moliere, right. Wilson. Right. I think he's in that he's in that oh, yeah. strata. There's no yeah. need to compare them. They are they are peers right. in that use of language. Right, right, right. 
Also, what makes it not didactic for me uh, is the love that the family has for each other mm-hmm. in spite of all the language that we have to listen to, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and the way the family tells stories, it's like a, it's, it's like they're constantly in this mode of sharing stories, sharing history, sharing heritage. Um, it's it's all they're always at the dinner table. They're always connecting, and and you don't really see that a lot anymore with families, right? Everybody's on their phones. Everybody's disconnected. We're embedded in technology, and there's none of that in this. And they're not and they're not always stories that drive the plot forward. No, they're not it's always just, stories that 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 are connected to the main thrust of the play. Which also, I, also it's about like older men talking to younger men and sharing yeah. their experience. And and I found that to be difficult as as a director because I was like, well, how do we make this active? And you know, what's the secret in this in this scene? And, the, and, and Jason was just like, no, it's just you know, it's just dude sitting around sharing stories. I was the, like, The conversation really? is active. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what, what? Wait, we don't, we don't have to. And then as I released into that, I was like, yeah, you're right. This is absolutely, completely seductive. Yeah. Watching, watching how the two generations connect with each other. And it's, and it's not as subtle as I think we're sort of pretending it is because I think even Boy Willie has that moment where he, uh, I won't say attacks is probably too strong a word, but he confronts Bernice about the way she talks to her daughter mm-hmm. and suggests that oh it'd be she, her life would be easier she'd be better off if Maritha had been born a boy and boy Willie says don't tell that child that she is the the future um, am I right in thinking that that's a, a part of this whole idea of yeah, passing yeah. along yeah well I was going to say I said the uh, the, the language uh, the compassion he gives his characters uh, August o- often takes these characters and says look here's uh, from the exterior. Uh, uh, a stereotype, everything about this character. I, I'm going to pull you into this character's story and make you respect them and understand them. You know, uh, he does it again and again. Uh, I love what he does with characters like Troy and uh, Boy Willie and Levy uh, and Floyd and, and and on where he. Uh, you throw a lot of plays at this. Throw some titles out. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> some of these characters are so not Troy, in the piano lesson. Troy Maxson is uh, the lead in Fences, in Fences. obviously. Uh, Floyd uh, Barton is a seven guitars. Uh, King Hatley the second is King Hatley the second. Second, yeah. Um, Levy is Maureen's Black Bottom. And so, so, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. <laughs> August Wilson wrote ten plays called the Pittsburgh Cycle, the Century Cycle, or the, yeah, the Pittsburgh Cycle, Century Cycle. You can, that, there's that. a very specific, there's a specific structure to that cycle too. Could you talk about that a little bit? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, uh, and and Rainey, annoyingly to many of his peers and fellow Wilsonians, call, <laughs> call, call it the Mississippi Cycle, because <laughs> to me, uh, they're all they're from Mississippi, whereas. Uh, Ma Rainey, they're actually set in Chicago. In Chicago, it's the only play that's yeah, set in. The rest yeah. of them are set in Pittsburgh, but uh, yeah, no, he wrote them. Uh, uh, it's a matter of the degree of who, what, what school you're talking about. But I, I'm one of those that stick with the fact that he wrote Jitney first. Uh, sure, he changed it a lot later, but he wrote it first, uh, as far as the cycle. Uh, and then there was Ma Rainey, and uh, I think after Ma Rainey was. Uh, Joe Turner, Fences, Piano Lesson, and so on and so on. But uh, they cover a decade of uh, uh, African-American culture, mostly in the Hill District in Pittsburgh, 
uh, from last century. Yeah. So you got the teens, you have uh, Joe Turner. You have the 20s, you have Ma Rainey. The 30s, what we're doing now, the piano, piano lesson. lesson. 47 guitars, 50s fences, 60s jitney, 70s uh, two trains running. Um, oh, I forgot about two trains running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, 80s King Hedley II, and then the 90s Radio Golf. Did he, did he finish what he started? I totally believe he finished, and I'm also one of those uh, who get a bit defensive when people try to turn radio golf into a minor play. Yeah. I, I feel the same way about that as I feel about people trying to do that uh, to to diminish Pericles. It's just like, well, just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's lesser. Right. Um, um, but I, uh, I think he finished uh, radio golf thoroughly. It was the closest to our times. It's contempt. It's modern time. Yeah. So some of the language, the way he used as a device, he shifted. He did it intentionally. It make it, it's why the play works. If he would have written the language for those characters who are trying, who have political aspirations, and who have to be articulate in society, in the way that he wrote a nineteen forty seven guitars, it wouldn't make sense. So the poetry shifts a bit, and August was brilliant enough to shift with it in his storytelling. And I think it's just as remarkable as the others. It's not as epic, sure, but it's just as remarkable. Wow, that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, I do want to say this, there, and I don't know, I'm sure Rainy uh, uh, got it, and, and uh, you probably did too, but um, there is an Easter egg in the dialogue. Um, spoiler alert. When... Uh, <laughs> When Bernice walks down the stairs after uh, Lyman and Boy Willie moves the piano, she says uh, something like, uh, Boy Willie, sit that piano down. Uh, God is going to bless you and West is going to dress you. Yeah. West is the funeral director in Two Trains Running. Yes. There's a character named West and he runs the funeral home and he's like really great. Uh, you know, that's where everybody goes uh, when they have a, a past loved yeah. one. Cause he, you know, he dresses them up really nice, and he's yeah. just a popular uh, guy around the uh, Pittsburgh, uh, around Pittsburgh. I wondered about that line because yeah. I caught people in the audience laughing at it. And I thought, oh, they know something I don't. They're just laughing because it's funny. They yeah, because like, that's a that's a deep that's a deep dive. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that line's a deep and dive. It, like many of the characters and things they talk about actually exist. Really? Yeah, yeah. I was just in the Hill District last summer. Why? As the director of the Black and White Festival. Oh, there you go. <laughs> at uh, Pittsburgh Playwrights Shout Theater. Shout out. Cross-marketing. Uh, Mark Clayton Southers, <laughs> Mark Clayton Southers, a uh, very close friend who is the artistic director there, lives physically, geographically, at the top of the Hill District. Oh, wow. And he, he was pretty close to August. But uh, um, when you go, I would go on walks and you see places, you see the... Uh, location of the Old West, because the uh, uh, the natives of the Hill District will inform you that's not where it where it is now is not where it used to be. Really, but the West Funeral Home is is there. Uh, you know, when I Wiley is prominent in the Hill District. That's why he brings it up a lot, and that's why in in Gem of the Ocean, that's where and you can go. Uh, when you walk down Wiley and see the, it's just a, a slab of land at this point. But you can see 18, whatever, uh, I forget the exact number, uh, Wiley Road, where on Esther's house is. Uh, and uh, as you go through the neighborhood, you can see places that either was uh, Eddie's Restaurant, but now oh, is, yeah. is um, 
uh, Grandma B's, I think it's yeah. called now. But all, all these various places exist in some many of the characters. Uh, Irene Kaufman's settlement house was a is a place. You know, all of these they're, they're all like in, ingrained in these stories. It's kind of like when you read uh, Zora Neale Hurston's uh, Polk County, yeah, and you go, "I'm from Polk County," and you go, "Oh, it's all in there." You know, yeah, yeah. That's what you're, you're talking to somebody who was born. In Las Vegas, right. who has no history, because in Las Vegas here, we bulldoze our history and build something new out of plastic on top of it, right? So, so any any little bit of history we hold on to, well, those of us who are born here hold on to, like, grim death. No, the, a lot so of I these, find these things really fascinating. Yeah, a lot of these characters, I mean, he built them, and of course he synthesized them, uh, you know, uh, like they do with biopics or anything else, but they're rooted in real people and neighborhoods and communities. Oh, that's something. Yeah, yeah. Is that a tour you went on to uh, at all, Jamie? Or oh, this is some of the stuff he said is new to me too. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh... yeah. If you ever, and I, you know, especially to the the artist, uh, but if you're ever in the Hill District in Pittsburgh, uh, just let me know, and I'll connect you to Mark. He loves to take people on a tour of the the Wilsonian uh, uh, landmarks, and he'll take you out to August's grave and. He'll do all of that with you, and oh, and and, it's a deal. and and yeah, and and he's the best tour guide because he knew August really well. And so when Mark directs you, he directs you on stage, pointing to places. It's, yeah, well, you know, Wes would have been over here. And then he'll <laughs> go back to directing you, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, you wanted to park the water trucks over here, so the watermelons would have been a, a turn right here, and you're like, okay, Mark. All right, gotcha. But we have the set designer. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, the set designers from Poughkeepsie. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should have had a conversation. I don't think they know this. <laughs> so then, then, I, I hear, I hear the cast. I hear the conversations uh, that this play has inspired among the cast. I hear you guys talking backstage. I hear the camaraderie, and I hear just the <laughs> sort of rhythm of the play living through you, even back, even backstage. And we've had a couple buzzes for this. one. I've heard you with a couple audience uh, members now, and I wonder if the conversation is is different, or if it feels if if there are conversations that. Um, uh, there's a direction those conversations should take that uh, we're just not uh, aware of. I've stumped the panel. I, 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 I mean, I'm just, as an artist in general, just feel like, you know, allow people to extract what they extract. Yeah. Uh, um, so what, whatever conversation it leads. Um, I know with us backstage, you know, each cast is its its own unique you know, cookie. Uh, sure. And and this one has been no different. I've been having a blast with them, uh, but uh, some of the conversations do uh, come from the spark of the script. Uh, some of it's uh, and and it, there's a collective decision to do this, but sometimes we detox. You know. Really. Yeah. There's just kind of a uh, you know you know whether it's talking about you know the latest basketball game or what's going on in politics or someone's particular details of their day when they come in. I, I, you know, I think it's a uh, a conscious decision as a collective to go. Yeah, you know, it's we need a break, and we just kind of go that route, and then, and then in the next minute after detox, you'll see in pairs or in threes or as individuals. Okay, it's time to get back into the script, and, and blah blah blah. It, it, it's just kind of organic those decisions, but they happen in, nightly. 
Uh, so I was outside the dressing room, and you know, I always, I always knock on the, the guys' dressing room because I don't want to disbarge in because I'm a female. You guys could be dressing. So I'm outside the dressing room yesterday, water. and you and Merv are like relating a story. I was like, are they doing a play? It was so, it was so alive and vibrant and bright. I was like, this is like a play within a play. I should say, Merv plays your brother in yes, the, he in plays Leo. he plays the legendary. Uh, 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 piano playing brother whining boy and, uh, and and that's w-i-n-i-n-g not w-h-i-n-i-n-g yeah, i want to ask about that but... <laughs> <laughs> very 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 important to make that distinction yes yeah. uh thank you so <laughs> and so when i when you allowed me into the space you and i'm not trying to be morbid but they were relating where they were during uh the 9-11 attacks yeah. yeah and you know they're like acting out the stories and and it was alive and vibrant, and you know they weren't talking about anything about the play, but uh, there was a a sense of camaraderie and love and brotherhood and and really you know sharing of a, a very difficult experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a scene straight out of the play because I think that happens with you. It happened with Merv and Rainey. It sounds like it, it happens with Whining Boy and Doker on stage. Yeah, yeah, and. Again, August does that. He does these things. I have a buddy across the country right now I talked to earlier today, and we were talking about it. He's playing Red Carter in um, Seven Guitars out at, well, they started at Milwaukee Rep. Now they're going to be at Cincinnati Playhouse. Uh, but we were we were talking about how August will take these moments of just two black men talking. And it's just like, but it's very active in the sense of what it's doing. But it's just like part of it also it's bifurcative it's 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 move the, the the dialogue is moving this plot forward in little drops of information but it's also getting the audience accustomed to something they're not used to seeing two black men just enjoying <laughs> themselves talking there's no threat here folks it's just two black men sitting here talking you know mm-hmm. you know but that's don't not- don't dial out don't freak out that that's all it is right now enjoy it Enjoy. This is something very beautiful that, uh, uh, unfortunately, in this country, you were told to all of a sudden uh, be aware of or to take notice of in a in a, a negative point of view or to be afraid of. And he's telling you that this is what this, just what it is. You You wanted to know. I let you in the room. I took you and put you on the wall as a fly to see this is what it is right here. You know, but we it's, no, that it's, another... no, it's no more noble. Or no more uh, threatening than what you th- thought you were taught it should be. Has that has that affected the way you work, Rainey? Because it sounds like that mentality, and you're and you're giving a lot of credit to Wilson for that. But it sounds like that mentality is something that is a part of comedy, stand-up comedy, and and especially your work, a black man telling stories, telling jokes, telling yeah. tales. Yeah, I, I mean there, there there are differences I take uh, depending on what I'm doing in the room. You know, I, I have different approaches as a director than as an actor, as a sure. comedian. But the through line uh, is listening. You know, I got to be allowed to come in. I, I probably spend uh, a first three rehearsals with the cast. I'm with, and uh, if you don't know me, is, is he present? Because <laughs> I'm listening. Yeah. I, I do a lot of listening. And uh, and I, I say that, which is really funny uh, for us to be on the podcast together. Because uh, my first two rehearsals here, Jamie was out sick. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we didn't have Jamie. Yeah, um, and so 
it was like we were my, worried we thought we were going to replace I was going I was looking at the script thinking I would have to do the role <laughs> oh my god uh, you didn't just yeah, say I, that I, I was worried when he when he when he came in uh um you know it was just you know instantly to to hear the driving motor of the show which boy willie is instantly I mean, it was just kind of like and I think I've, I said things to you and Jason. Like there were times where there was, and I understand that point of view. I've been in that chair, but there were times where it was a little bit worried as far as where we were. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, you know, it wasn't some. I'm not just calm. There you know? are a lot of words in this play. <laughs> there are just yeah. a lot of yeah, words. I was calm because I knew that we we, we had the motor. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it was just kind of like. It'll come. Well, know. Jamie, you came in. I mean, th- those two days, those two or three days. <laughs> I was not calm. I was not calm. I know. That's why yeah. we, I, 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 you were, uh, you were uh, over there just so chill, and I was like, <laughs> okay. Oh, no. We, we, he came in on the third day. I think he was, uh, I can't remember what scene we worked on. I think he was a couple of lines in, and I physically sat back and started reading my script like, well, we're fine. We're good. We're good. <laughs> well, those, those, two, those two or three days notwithstanding, Jamie, you came in pretty much off book to the first rehearsal. Yeah, once, yeah, once, uh, like I said, once I got that role and I read piano lesson and I seen how much dialogue it's Willie a had, lot of words. I was like, okay, let me get to work right now. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna wait until January to do the table read. No, I'm gonna read this play. I'm gonna read it every day. I'm gonna go through my process. So when the first day of rehearsal comes around, I'm so familiar with the story. I'm very familiar with my character, and then we can just work, you know. And and yeah, like uh, Emery and and Jason expressed that. Yeah, I, I'm I drive this play, so I, I got to be on my A game. Like I have yeah. to, I got to have my shit together because I don't want the for me. It's the the fear of of uh, letting my my people down, you know, yeah. um, not not coming to a rehearsal, uh, um, not coming to a rehearsal prepared and all of that. Like I I wanted to have my shit together. I wanted to have um, a prototype of Boy Willie uh, with the words already embedded, somewhat. You know, I was mm-hmm. still kind of on my book, but it those is- monologues were I had the monologues memorized already. <laughs> I, I got the hard work. Out the way. See, and I can't tell, I can't express our gratitude enough because it's frustrating. Emery and I are constantly frustrated. I won't say constantly. There are times when you come across an actor who believes that the only time the work is done is in rehearsal, and forgets that that uh, there's a tremendous amount of work that is done outside of rehearsal, at home, going over lines, making choices, breaking down a script into into rhythms and beats or whatever it is you're doing. The and, imagination of the character. Yeah, figuring yeah. just just thinking about that character. And you you learn pretty, I think, pretty quickly that no, that just time spent in rehearsal wasn't going to be enough. Oh no, no, because when I read scene five, look, yeah. I read scene yeah. five. Tell, tell I, us about scene five. So I was reading it, and <laughs> I'm just like, okay, all right, yeah, he, he he's saying it by like page four when he got another monologue. Yeah. I literally said, "Boy, Willie, shut the fuck up." I, I, it's funny. I literally said that, like, man, he got to shut the hell up because, like, because I'm just thinking as an actor playing this role, I'm like, dude, you got, uh, you saying a lot, <laughs> you know. Um, I always remember uh, 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 playing. You're talking twenty years ago. But I always remember thinking, you know, why don't I just in scene five highlight what I don't say? <laughs> that'll, that'll take that'll take a that'll be very short. Yeah. 
<laughs> Can I tell you something though about uh, how scene five makes me feel? Uh, as the the one observing the story, I'm really I was really on the side of of Bernice, mm. also as a female, you know, I, and her nurturing and wanting to keep the family close and keeping those things in the family. But then when you start to go through all of your different perspectives in scene five, I completely buy into your perspective. Mm -hmm. I completely mm -hmm. buy in. And uh, because most of the play, you're just, I, I want the piano, I want the piano, I want the piano, I want the piano. But I don't understand in detail the heart of why you want it until scene five. And it makes me love you. Mm -hmm. And I get that the burden of having to ingest all of that and manifest that uh, as an actor and as as an artist is is very challenging. But it's so worth it mm -hmm. yeah. when you're watching the story. And you know, as a director, I sit in the house a lot and I observe audiences. And the thing that I love about this play is. Wilson does not dumb it down. You have to lean so far in that almost all of the audience is almost on stage with you <laughs> in order to try and grasp it, right? And you have to accept that there are mysteries that may not be revealed uh, until, you know, late in the second act or, or inside a story somewhere that you might miss if you're not paying attention. And also the play is long. Mm -hmm. It's so long. But uh, I, I've said this to you guys. It's long in time but not in feeling because... There's it's the complexity, the passion, the investment, the detail that is expressed in scene five makes me buy in completely. And the audience is that way too. They're just they are so invested. I have to point this out, uh, Ed, because it bespeaks volumes to uh, August's talent as a writer. Um, his first four to f I think maybe four or five uh, plays went, went on Broadway. With the same director, who we don't talk about enough, the legendary Lloyd Richards, who ran the Yale Repertory Theater back in the day, and who was also over the Eugene O'Neill playwriting, which is how he discovered August. Is he still alive? Uh, no, no, Lloyd yeah. is long gone. But uh, he um, he he saw in Ma Rainey uh, the language uh, that pulled him into August, and they developed a relationship, and he ushered uh, first Ma Rainey, then Fences, piano lesson, Seven guitars and Joe Turner, yeah, the first five he he took to Broadway, and and by the way, just a side note, uh, probably most of the African American actors above my age who made it through Hollywood at Are some there point, any above your at age? some I'm point, <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> at some point they went through uh, training with Lloyd. So I I just think someone needs to do that biopic because you'll tell a lot of stories by telling his story. But I say this to say this. Uh, he was known working with playwrights to edit shrewd and unapologetically. Mm. The fact that he did the first four to five August Wilsons and they average about 230, 245 tells you something. Yeah. Mm. Lloyd was known to edit. So between the two of them, there was the decision that this is just what it is. You know? So you come to it and you say, oh man, Francis is just about three hours. I think there was a decision on their part that, yeah, you know what? We've done all the trimming. Sorry. It's not fine anymore. Yeah, it's still all there, and it still works, 
it's up to a collective of storytellers to now make it work. But mm -hmm. we have t taken every angle and every look at it, and we feel like Joe Turner or Piano Lesson or Fences or Two Trains Running. We, if it's there, it needs to it's, be there. It needs to be there. And if you begin to you know, uh, create a society, which is kind of already happening, like a Shakespearean society or a Moyer society, a Wilson, Wilsonians will talk all the time about how dense it is and I think when you start talking about that, people get amazed that it's also very lengthy. But it's like, well, no, that happens. You know, James Joyce. Oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a lengthy and compressed at the same time. Well, and, and entertaining. I think right, that, right, I, I don't right, think it right. matters one yeah. whit if you're compelled, right, if it's right, compelling. Right. No, and very compelling. Yeah, yeah if you're I still agree. married to the material by the time that, you know, two hour, 40 minute rolls around. And I think... Um, August Wilson's uh, work, it, it demands, to me, I feel like it demands a level of talent to, yeah. to do this work uh, because, <laughs> yeah, the players are so long. So, you know, it, uh, a three-hour play can come off different with a, with a cast that's not, yeah. like, strong enough to hold these characters up. Wait, as, you, this is the premiere of this play in Las Vegas. I don't think the piano lesson has been done in Las Vegas until this production. And if somebody out there knows that I'm wrong, please tell me because I've been telling people that. But I, I think that's actually... True, and it, it may be in the state of Nevada, or something like that. Here, I don't think so. Majestic is is no majestic. No majestic did. didn't do piano. Oh, okay, lesson. okay. Someone um, someone mentioned to me, so I don't, I don't know. For I sure. no, they uh, in sixteen that might have been Octoroon, Octoroon but not uh, that's a Brandon Jacob Jenkins, mm -hmm. Jacobs Jenkins. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted you, yeah. oh, no, Jay, uh, but it hasn't been it hasn't been done here. Maybe we are waiting for you to come along. <laughs> All of us, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's crazy. It's like, a hell of a cast. The I have to say. Just, yeah, the universe just conspired us to, to tell this beautiful story to come along uh, in Vegas. Uh, you know, you and Jason, the the origin of the idea of you know bringing up the piano lesson and wanted to do it here, and then everything just seemed to just come together. Uh, Everything that we all needed to to tell this story and like the cast is, uh, you know, me just want to be on the outside looking in. Um, it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, Rainy playing Doker is amazing. Merv, mm -hmm. Amore, Mario, uh, uh, Aries, mm -hmm. even little Moritha oh played by uh, Phoenix. You know, it's Absolutely just adorable. so perfect. And then she's playing way above her, hitting way above her weight. She's <laughs> she's nine playing twelve, nine playing, nine playing 12. eleven. No, nine playing eleven. Yeah, going to turn twelve soon. Uh, <laughs> but then and, and turn around and we have uh, Anne Marie and Jason, like two different type of directors. I feel like just come together to tell the story. Like yes. it just everything mm -hmm. just. Uh, fell right into place and I'm not gonna lie like just hearing all this feedback from uh, the piano lesson is just <laughs> it's just it's crazy you guys, like, are, getting, it, you guys it, are getting raised it is it's beautiful it's a blessing and um, I'm just so glad to be to be doing it you know and doing it with this cast, yeah. like it's mm -hmm. and the crew, you know. Shout out to uh, the CSN crew; they they've been. You know, when you're on this side of it, right? Uh, and now that you guys are getting all these rave reviews and standing ovations, but I remember when we when I called Nate, who recommend I called Nate. I was like, I don't have a Doker. <laughs> and we lost an actor. We lost an actor. When do you start rehearsal? In three days. <laughs> <laughs> he's like I don't know anybody in town I don't care do you know anybody out of town he goes oh yeah and I was like and so uh, but 
how the cast came together. So going through it, uh, it was very scary mm. because I didn't know how it was all going to work out. I had to just kind of ride the train. Speaking of train, mm -hmm. I had to ride the train of hope. There's a strange level of serendipity in so many ways. Not yeah. just the not even just... how Merv ended up back into the cast. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. he was originally whining boy, and now and then because of his circumstances, he had to go away, and then he came back. So it all came together. But I feel like I had to just. And as a director, I will freely admit on this podcast, there is a level of control that you like to maintain in rehearsal. And I just, I, I, I had to kind of let things happen in order for yeah. the cast to come together. Yeah. Yeah. There's also, I, to, to, to be really honest and straightforward, this cast has a different culture than any sort of, I think, ensemble that we've ever worked with before. There is a, uh, speaking about the rhythm of the language, there's a rhythm to this cast that I don't... I've never seen it any other show before. Just the culture of, of the way they've approached the play feels really different to me. Am I speaking out of school? Or does that sound appropriate? Um, yeah, there, I mean, no, you're not. Uh, there's something about Wilson is almost like a master jazz uh, composer. That's it. In the sense that, uh, you know, my my favorite uh, um, uh, jazz or musician, period, really, uh, is Thelonious Monk. Look for Rainey's One Man Show about Thelonious Monk <laughs> in the fall, entitled Thelonious in Action. Is that, that's you've been working on. Is yeah. getting ready for yeah. the fall? Are you yeah. ready? Are you ready for uh, the fall? It'll be ready in the fall to, okay. to preview. Okay. Uh, but um, he used to say, uh, Thelonious Monk, one of my favorite quotes, and I apply it to everything I do, you're making all the wrong mistakes. I love that quote because it's telling you you should be making mistakes, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but it's about finding the right ones. It's about exploring. It's about all of that kind of stuff. So uh, I feel like when you're doing Wilson, you have to understand that you have to bring it and put it on the table. You know, it's almost like having a communal gathering that the community has it. That it, with a playwright of that that level, you have to come in and everybody has to present what they're putting on the table and you can't make any decision too quickly mm -hmm. because it's all about even the smallest. Uh, I, I remember playing Hambone and two trains running who basically says the same lines over and over again. And I was so grateful to work with a crew that understood that all of those words were just as important as Memphis tirades throughout the diner. Who's the lead character. What's well, the same here? You know, it's like, is essential boy Willie is as the driving force. If our Marita's off, we're off. Yeah. But unfortunately, she's not. But it's it, all of his plays are such communal plays, and it sounds strange to say that because he's handed us these like Herculean characters to play uh, from an uh, actor point of view when you play the leads, and we we love the challenges of it. Each time. Well, you've made the you've made the comparisons to jazz and to music and to yeah. rhythms, but it, it, it's it's no soloist. It's it's an ensemble. Yeah, it's it, a quintet. It's a quartet. Precisely. It's a whoever. Always, the, the, yeah. always. Because even when Boy Willie's out front, you know, to stay with the metaphor, blowing his horn, we <laughs> we have to still have be in the background, be right on with the bass and the piano. Everything yeah. has to still be in the right order. If we fall out then we're not supporting him. If he falls out, then we fall out. So it's just, he writes very tight ensemble pieces, but it's like he extracted that from sitting in, you know, uh, restaurants or, or, or dives or whatever on street corners, really paying attention to the vernacular 
of the community in which he grew up and then began to apply it later when he was kind of a artist in residence at Penumbra up in Minnesota. Mm. Yeah. Well, I definitely feel that. Yeah. yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that it, it worked out in that way so that you guys could all be in tune, taking that metaphor, you know, to the next level. It's a room. It's a a series of remarkable performances. We're very proud of it. I hope that, uh, that uh, listeners to this podcast have enjoyed it and uh, have gotten a little bit more Come from this see sort us. of behind-the-scenes yes. chat. <laughs> I suspect that by the time we get this podcast out, it might have closed. So might there's have closed. Be, yeah, I think it Come might see us anyway. <laughs> you heard us talking about ghosts. Go back in time and see... The ancestor <laughs> see performance will be... Is there, is, there anything else, is there anything else you want to, to, to plug, Rainy? I know you work on a bunch of stuff and you've got some dates coming up, I think, don't you? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if anyone will be around. You know, I mean, it's not in Vegas, but uh, we have listeners in Greece. For God's sake, you'd okay. be amazed. I'm, uh, th- I'm not even kidding. We get the de- we get I, the uh, the logistics back on this podcast. I'm flabbergasted that people uh, listening to us in London and in Greece. It blows my mind. Cool. The the Strass Center in Tampa, uh, which is kind of like the Tampa Bay area's answer to the Lincoln or the Kennedys, but they're doing a production of Crowns. I'll be directing. Uh, that'll go up uh, May, I think, fourteenth and run for three weekends, and then I'll be in the Berkshires with Shakespeare and Company, I have on my t-shirt here, uh, <laughs> playing Gabriel and Fences across from uh, Tony Todd of Candyman fame, oh, right and Ella Joyce, uh, who was in the sitcom Rock with Charles Dutton, who played Boy Willie. Oh, um, Boy Willie. Yeah, yeah. I got those, and then uh, some splash of stand-up dates in between, and then this fall is all about Thelonious. Oh, this yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm anxious yeah. to to see what you do with that. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I'll keep everyone updated. Jamie, anything to to plug? Um, no, no, no. What's next? What's next for you after this? He's gonna move. Move, move to L.A. You're kidding? Yeah. We're, what? Yeah, yeah. What about all these shows I have planned for you next year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm still accessible, <laughs> but I'm gonna be in L.A. Uh, yeah. It's only four hours. So yeah, it's only four hours away. <laughs> Jump, hop, skip. Yeah. Um, we'll but yeah, it. I'm just gonna be out there. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very, very curious of what my energy is gonna attract out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I've been I wanted to go out there. Just something in my 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 spirit just tells me to go out there and just see what's up. And that's something that I just I, I have to do. So All right on. It's gonna see what's up. Good, man. good luck. Going out there and wake up, wake up an LA family. Yeah, I'm gonna wake up somebody <laughs> at five a.m. in the morning. <laughs> well, that, that's gonna that's gonna finish us off for this episode of Behind the Buzz. It's episode six of of season three. Uh, much thanks again to uh, Jamie Maurice Clay and to Rainey for for opening up about August Wilson's The Piano Lesson. Um, uh, this play truly represents so much about why we at APF do theater in the first place. It, it, it certainly uh, spurred, you know, the conversations along. And you know that here at A Public Fit, we are all about the conversation. You can help keep that conversation alive by not just subscribing, but also by giving us a quick review or a, or a one-click rating. Um, not only is your feedback important, but it helps guide us as we try to deliver the topics and interviews that interest you the most. Uh, aside from the contact us, uh, button on our website. You can get in touch with us through a separate email. Write this down. It's behind the buzz at a There's just so much to talk about. Behind the Buzz is a product of a public fit theater company. It is directed by Anne Marie Perez and me, 
Joe Kukin and is recorded, mixed, and edited by the spectacular Diane Walton. <laughs>